The following program is scheduled for one fall with a 60-minute time limit. This is Take 4 Wrestling with your hosts, Brian Kilby and J.T. Hogg. This is Take 4 Wrestling. I am Brian Kilby, and with me I have the man, the myth, the legend, the protector of children, the savior of human virtue. It's King J.T. Hogg. How's it going, sir? Pretty good, Brian. How are you doing? Man, it, 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 I, I'm good. It's good to be back. Um, we've been in another territory. Uh, we've learned a new hold, and uh, we are back. We're, our gimmick has been changed up a little bit. Um, I think we are changing formats. It was a little hard for me to keep up. <laughs> we weren't getting as over as we thought we were. Yeah, I think we were more over in the promoter's head than we were. So, uh, you know, we, we're not too proud to to say that uh, uh, the character could use a little bit of uh, fine-tuning. So we're back. I think we're going to take a, a different approach, uh, maybe do some interviews uh, maybe talk about a little more current stuff. Still, t- still sort of focus, I think, on things that we like, because why would you want to listen to a podcast about stuff that people don't like? That probably wouldn't be very entertaining at all. There are a lot of those out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We'd just be like Jim Cornette. Yeah, that's true, but I love Jim Cornette. <laughs> uh, Who doesn't? Yeah, I know. One thing we are going to uh, keep for certain, though, is our gimmick of the week. And uh, let's go ahead and jump to the gimmick of the week. Then we have a very special interview. And who is our interview with this week, JT? Former WWF superstar, Big Bully Music. That's awesome. It was a lot of fun. So before we go to that, uh, what's the gimmick of the week this week? The gimmick of the week this week is uh, one of my personal favorites is the Berserker. Uh, As a kid, I remember the Berserker um, well. Uh, But my childhood memory is that he only won by count out did he ever pen an opponent uh i don't think he ever really did he uh didn't have the best of win strategy um because you count out to win but can't win any titles or anything on that so yeah what was up with that (laughs) uh i'm not sure uh the the berserker uh, his well, of course, his real name is John Nord. He um, he was actually part of the famous uh, Minnesota training school of uh, Eddie Sharkey, uh, where guys like Rick Rude and uh, Mister Perfect and uh, Legion of Doom and uh, Demolition Smash all cut their teeth. And uh, he was, I think, he was a couple classes after them, but um, he came from some pretty good background. And um, he started wrestling in the AWA uh, around 85. And um, that's when he was going by Nord the Barbarian. And um, uh, he he uh, frequently teamed up with uh, Bruiser Brody. And um, I think that's where he got his furry boots that he wore for the oh, rest yeah. of his career. That makes sense. Uh, he did some time in uh, world-class wrestling uh, where he was managed by Gary Hart. Uh, went after uh, Kevin Von Erich a few times for the uh, championship. Did some time in the AWA. Um, or, well, he returned to the AWA after that. And uh, he, he went under the name Yukon John, which uh, was pretty much a lumberjack. Which a lumberjack and a uh, 
uh, Viking aren't too different, I guess, if you think about it. Um, <laughs> they're, they're nothing alike. <laughs> well, they're both like big burly men. Yeah, that's true. So is the brawny guy. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and uh, then he... Uh, I guess he's a lumberjack, though, technically, isn't he? I think so. I always assume I don't that. Think, I don't think he's a Viking. He's not a Viking. He should no. be. <laughs> Viking paper towels. But uh, then he uh, he came to the World Wrestling Federation. That's where we met uh, met John Nord as the Berserker in 1991. He was originally managed by Mr. Fuji. And, um, of course, he would always throw the guy out for a, a um, count-out victory. And uh, he would always hold his hand, uh, hold his wrist, licking his hand, saying, Huss, Huss. And um, he was a very bizarre, uh, bizarre wrestler. He um, was like a, because uh, in Norse, Norse mythology, berserkers are guys that get kind of like blood crazy, crazy. Is that a mythology? And, uh, is that a mythology thing? Or is that like a, uh, I mean, I don't, is that mythology? I don't even know. Well, I think it's a little, I think they finally f- found out that they actually were warriors, like real actual warriors. But of course, mythology was um, that they were infused with the power of Odin or something. Oh, I, rem- I heard something about that. It's like um, the idea was that they had, they suffered from PTSD or something like that. Yeah, there's been, uh, there's been theories that they were even on uh, like some sort of like drug, like maybe like PCP or something. But of course, it wasn't probably PCP. But uh, then they would fight naked and all painted up, and um, that they were just like savage when they fought. So I think that's the kind of gimmick they were going for. Uh, he wasn't in uh, WWE very long. He was in there long enough to receive a Hasbro figure. Oh, really? Um, which was just a repainted uh, hacksaw Jim Duggan with a uh, uh, like a Viking hat on. How often do they just repaint? wrestlers in that line uh they used a lot of the same bodies um but i that one was weird because even the face was almost still the same that's funny i think they just like remolded a little hat on them but usually they'd at least put new heads on there uh some of those figures were pretty weird though uh like the rick rude and rick flair shared the same body and uh of course, you had like the all the body slammers like Hogan and stuff. Do you buy? Uh, but, do you buy current wrestling figures? I've been meaning to ask. Uh, very rarely. There's got to be one that really catches my eye. Awesome. I, uh, I I have an idea. Let's talk about it later. Okay. Um. But yeah, his uh, big claim to fame was that he tried to stab the Undertaker. Like legit, uh, like a shoot, really. <laughs> well, no, he he. Uh, it was during the match with the Undertaker and. Um, the Undertaker was down, and the Berserker tried to stab him through the ring canvas with this big giant sword that he came out with. But the Undertaker sat up at the last second and it, like stabbed through the mat. Gotcha. Um, he did win a battle royal on uh, Primetime Wrestling. Uh, that's and challenged. Yeah, well, that's his forte is the battle royal. That's where he actually win by throwing out yeah. people. Uh, well, honestly, uh, they used to treat count out victories as big, big as just as big as, uh, pinfall victories back in the early eighties. Um, I think they're not really exciting anymore. It was a way to protect somebody. Yeah. Be like, well, you lost, but you didn't lose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, uh, that was about it for him. He he went on to, uh, all Japan and 
of course, he had uh, a little stint in uh, World Championship Wrestling. Uh, they just called him John Nord at the time. And uh, he wore sunglasses, but he still wore the furry boots. Nice. But, um, yeah, he was, uh, he was a big dude. He, um, he, if you look him up on the internet, he tells some pretty funny stories. Uh, like he's the one that talked about the, uh, the muffler from dusty roads. Have you ever heard the muffler story? I have not. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know if it's appropriate for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Google, <laughs> Google, uh, Google at your own risk. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, and he, um, I think he was one of the guys, uh, he watched the door for when Nails um, attacked Vince McMahon in the office. I did hear about that. Yeah, so um, a pretty decent career he had. Uh, I don't think he's any longer active. Yeah, he retired in 2002. But a uh, big man, six foot eight, um, very memorable, uh, even though he was only actually there for a couple of years, but... I'll never forget them. Yeah, me neither. That's awesome. So before we go to our interview, what can you tell us about it? Um, going in, what were, what were some of the things you were looking to find out? I just wanted to get a uh, history on Big Bully. Uh, he was uh, another guy from around that 91, 92 era that I really enjoyed. Um, and uh, I ran into him on a, uh, a show up in Marion, Ohio. And uh, I was really honored because he wanted to take a picture with me. And, uh, cause he likes to just, uh, take pictures with the boys and just talk to them and stuff. Cause he's not trying to do anything anymore. He doesn't actually wrestle anymore. He had a, uh, pretty bad bout with, uh, cancer that we talk about. And, um, so he lost a lot of his body weight cause he was a big man back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we just talk about how he got into the business and he tells me some, ins and outs of uh what he thinks about wrestling and the current the we don't go in a lot of current wrestling but he does talk about it a little bit but it was it's a pretty interesting interview uh and it was my first interview i ever did with somebody and i thought it sounded pretty pretty nifty cool that's awesome let's go ahead and jump to it hey this is jt hogg with take four wrestling and i have a very special guest here we're going to do an interview with it's the man, Big Bully Busick. J.T. Hong, what's happening, J.T.? How are you doing today, sir? Good. Let me ask you a question. You didn't go to any buffets today, did you? I did not. I've actually been trying to lose some weight. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing, buddy. That's <laughs> not necessarily a bad thing. Might take might away from my splash. Yeah, yeah, I know. We don't want to have that. We'll come up with another big finish for you. Okay, I appreciate it. So, uh... We just wanted to uh, talk to you here, give you an interview, and uh, get pick your brain for some pretty interesting stories. And because uh, I know you got them. Oh yeah, <laughs> been around been around far longer than I like to admit, JT. <laughs> then we'll just uh, get right into it. Um, how? Uh, what was your life like before professional wrestling? Well, I, I was always in law enforcement. I was, uh, you know, I. I when I turned just turned 19, I became a cop back in 1973, and uh, uh, you know I just I fell in love with law enforcement. But I always had that 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 passion for professional wrestling. You know, back in my days, it was Bruno San Martino, Dominic Danucci, Ken Patera, Superstar Billy Graham. You know, all those guys. You know what I mean? 
So I always had a love for it. Don't you know, and, and I've said this in other interviews, but there was a Greek fellow out of Studentville, Ohio, Mike Pedusis. And uh, I hounded him to break me into the business. And I flew down to Dallas, Texas. And my, my school, professional wrestling school, consisted of one week. They taught me how to tie up, take a headlock, called Gorilla Monsoon. Next thing I know, I was walking out in front of 15,000 people in front of the Pittsburgh Civic Arena and scared to death. Oh, wow. I bet that was a heck of an experience, being in front of that many people and probably not really knowing what too much what was going on. I didn't have a clue. <laughs> and, and, and those guys, you know, I, I, I'm guessing Bruno liked me because of my powerlifting background, which was extensive. And uh, Dominic always, Dominic Danucci always took real good care of me. And all those guys, but you know what? I when, I when I walked into the locker room, I walked in, sit down, and shut up, kept my mouth shut, and uh, I did what I was told. And and they just brought me along. All my all my experience come from working in the ring. Those guys were patient with me and taught me throughout the years, and they kept booking me. I mean, I don't have to tell you you're in the business. You know, if if they don't want to book you, then you you know you're not going to get any matches and. You can't learn if you don't get any matches. You can go to all the schools you want, but until you get in there in front of a crowd, you're not going to learn. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've, I know that, um, I mean, you can learn the basics in school, but until you're out there in front of the people, it's just you don't know what you're doing. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that's something that um, we've kind of lost over the years in wrestling is uh, stuff like that where you just kind of broken in and then taught on the road. And I think that's a way better way to be brought into the business. I think uh, a lot of these schools, I don't think they actually prepare prepare you for when you actually go out. Um, I know my uh, my uncle. I don't know if you know him or not, Jr. Hog. He uh, yep. He wrestled down and all over the place down the USWA and uh, for uh, um, shoot, sorry, uh, Harley Race. Uh, he wrestled a lot for them and Dick the Bruiser. And uh, he yeah. got most of his training from uh, Bobo Brazil Jr. on a kitchen floor. So uh-huh. <laughs> it's just uh, real interesting to think about uh, the time before all the wrestling schools. Because even when I started, uh, I started around uh, 99, 2000, I didn't know of hardly any wrestling schools at all. Uh, the only one I had heard about was HWA down in Thatcher's. and uh, But uh-huh. now it seems like there's a lot of them all over the place. Well, yeah, you know, I see a lot of guys opening up schools and I, I, you know, when I do these interviews, I, I really attempt not to, to bad mouth anybody, but you know, back in my day, the locker room was a, a very guarded place and the business was very guarded. Um, and, and, and it's not to the, 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 listen, I, I, I think the guys today work very, very hard. Uh, but the object is to work smarter, not harder. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and, and there's a big difference between an independent show and what you're seeing on WWE today, two completely different animals. Yeah. Uh, I've, uh, yeah, I, the, just the difference between the two is just amazing. Um, and I've noticed that about the locker rooms myself with, um, like they're let they let people back in the locker room now nowadays uh girlfriends wives friends and uh, i don't think that was going on when you were just breaking in was it i guarantee you it wasn't going on <laughs> <clears throat> i mean i really guarantee it listen i i was 
Mr. Wrestling 2, I didn't see him without his mask on for the first two years I known the guy. <laughs> yeah, the uh, so you know, what so. so is that probably one of the biggest differences between today and now uh now and yesterday was just the well, uh the locker rooms, how guarded and everybody was? It's one of the many huge differences. Uh, you, you know, you're starting to see the bigger guys coming back in professional wrestling. Uh, I, you, you know, I see a lot of, uh, of, of what you hear and you could see all this stuff on the internet. So I'm not really talking out of school, but you, you see a lot of spot wrestling. Well, how much do you weigh JT? Oh, about 500 pounds. So how many spots are you going to work? Uh, I can't see you doing a double reverse somersault, <laughs> double backflip over the top rope. You know, in 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 my day, I you know I was two seventy five, two eighty, and you weren't going to see that out of me either. Yeah. You know, but uh, but you know when you get a guy that's in there one hundred eighty five, hundred ninety pounds, you know they can do all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, my uh, uh, my high spots getting in the ring. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got you, buddy. I got you. So what was and that's uh, nothing? That's, that's nothing against the lighter guys, but you know it takes some ring psychology when you're in there. You know, again, it's working smarter, not harder. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that'll uh, just go out there and just kill themselves, and they don't get the uh, same reaction that a well-seasoned veteran it, gets. Because it means nothing. It's got to mean something. It's got to mean something. When you, everything you do in that ring has got to mean something. Uh, so what was it? Um, what was it like going into that locker room with guys like Bruno San Martino and Billy Red Lions? And uh, what are what were some of the other huge names at that well, time that were in there? Actually, Billy Red Lions was my first match ever, and uh, and that was in, in the Pittsburgh Civic Arena. But it was, and you got to remember. For me, Bruno San Martino was legitimately my sports hero growing up. So me walking in there, I, I'm not going to say I was intimidated, but I said to myself, gee, many Christmas, I'm in here with my sports heroes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and it, it, was, it was an honor, and I came to respect that because I, and to this day, I know how hard these guys are working. If you make it to the WWE, then, then you, you've accomplished something. It's harder to make it to the WWE than it is to make it on a, to the NFL. I mean, statistically and numbers-wise, that's a proven fact. Yeah, you got uh, probably about 10,000 guys fighting for, what, 75 positions, if that. Yeah, if that. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so you did uh, – how long did you work for the uh, WWF at the time? Well, when I first started, it was the WWWF, and I'm going to say, see, my daughter's coming up on 39 years old. She's my oldest kid, so let's just say 40 years ago. So if we take 40 years, 40 years ago from uh, 2017, do the math real quick on that. What is that? 1976. Uh huh. 77. Yeah, 1977. I worked for them all the way through 77 through, let's see, I went to Atlanta in uh, 82, 83, I think. So right about that time. Okay. So uh, definitely got a lot of uh, great experience there. Um, was there uh, anybody you really uh, buddied up to? Was it was it hard to talk to guys like Bruno? or? Um, no, I, I, you know, any conversations I had with Bruno was always, 
weight training related. And, uh, Danucci helped me out, took, took me under, under his wing. And, you know, he would, he would educate me. He would watch my matches and yell at me and, <laughs> uh, stuff like that. And to this day, Dominic still calls me kid, which I get a big kick out of. <laughs> but, uh, I just saw yeah, him wrestle not too long ago. Dominic? Yeah. Danucci? Yeah. He, uh, well, maybe it's about a year or so ago, but he was, Oh, okay. It was at a deaf, uh, deaf wrestle fest for, uh, Lord Zoltan. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Kenny's a buddy of mine. We, he and I grew up in the business together. Yeah. He's a, he's a great man. We've, uh, featured him on our, uh, podcast before. Uh, one of my, uh, favorite guys, he's a guy that kind of took me under his wing when I was early on. I learned so much from being in the ring with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kenny and I grew up in the business. I mean, not only did we both work for the then WWF, but we'd work independent shows and stuff of this nature. So yeah, Kenny and I grew up in the business together. Now, uh, or, excuse me, Lord, Lord Zoltan. Lord <laughs> Early, uh, I've always wondered this, but what was the um, independence like back then? Because you don't hear a lot about them. Um, I'm talking about like, because I know there, there was like the NWA and AWA, but what about, uh, they call them, outlaw promotions or? Yeah, they were, they were referred to as outlaw promotions. And, and uh, I, I mean, it was, you know, we were still putting four or 500 people in the seats. They would come out to watch it, you know, so uh, it, it was good. It was good. You, you wound up with a decent payday. And, that you know, back then when you tried to get your name out, the, there was no social media. And, and the objective was to get in a wrestling magazine. So, you know, people would take photos and would constantly send the photos in into the wrestling magazine. And if you if you wound up in a wrestling magazine back then, that was considered your big push if you weren't with the WWF <laughs> or or, or uh you know, down south or out in Nashville and things of this nature. I mean, in Memphis. Yeah, that's a that's a lost art. The wrestling magazine. I used to love flipping through those things when I was. No, oh yeah, oh yeah. Just the uh, the amazement of all the all the wrestling that went on because uh, pretty much all I watched was WWF at the time. Sure. And uh, that was well, really my only uh, exposure. Yeah, and up in our area again, they didn't have cable like they had now, and that that's the only thing that we got on TV was what we were exposed to there. When I first went to Atlanta in around 1983, you know, I, I, NWA was just coming on the cable and we were just getting it up in, in the Pittsburgh area and up in Ohio. So we were exposed to a different, different type of professional wrestling and, and it caught on pretty quick. Now uh, it says uh, 1984, you went to the uh, Atlanta police department and uh, yeah, I actually, I actually worked in college park, Pennsylvania, uh, College Park, Georgia, which is right where the uh, Atlanta airport is. It's the city right there. And uh, so how'd you uh, hook up with the uh, guys down there? I, I stumbled across it. I, I went to work and, and did a couple TVs uh, for the NWA, uh, you know, because of my, my, my background in the gym. I knew a couple of the boys from when I was up north here. And, and they said, hey, Nick, why don't you come over and, and would you do TV for us? And I said, sure, I'll come over and do TV. And uh, so I went over and did TV. And then once I hit the TV, they, they had uh, Georgia All-Star Wrestling. And, and uh, you know, they always like to have local talent. And, and because, you know, I like the business, don't you know, I wound up back in the <laughs> ring. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's where you ended up uh, launching the bully character? 
yeah, the bully character was launched. Uh, I knew by this time, I, you know, it was probably about 87, 88. And I realized that my time was growing near. And if I was really going to do something with professional wrestling, I better, I better do something and I better do it quick. So I made a list of all the people that had my type of, of physical physique and Bill, a Bill Eady always said that I was built like Bruno. So needless to say, Bruno's name was down there. Dick, the bruiser, crusher, Lazowski, bulldog, briar, that, that type of physique. And then I loved Warner brother cartoons. So I put that down there <laughs> and then, uh, and then in my hometown up here, right outside of Pittsburgh, back in the day when the steel mills were running strong, uh, I made a list of characters and uh, of the came in and out of the mills. And one thing I noticed that they all wore some type of hat. And they all had a mustache and, and or the bulk of them did, and, and they all smoked some type of cigar. And, and so, you know, I, I had this character designed like that. And, there was a fellow down there by the name of Joe Pedicino who's running and owned Joe George All-Star Wrestling. He bought it off Jerry Blackwell. And uh, he's Nick, he just described a bully. And next thing you know, Big Bully Busick was introduced. And we got the TV show with ESPN. And the bully hit uh, ESPN. Next thing I know, Vince was calling. <laughs> well, the, uh, the bully characters, uh, it's almost straight out of a uh, Warner Brothers cartoon. Like the, just the big bully from the 20s. And uh, that was a character yeah, I always enjoyed. Yeah, you, you know, when I, when I was doing it for ESPN and when I was doing it for Georgia, I pretty had much what was called creative control. And I always had the bully pretty cartoonish. But when I went to New York, or, or what we call the WWE now, uh, Vince wanted no parts of the cartoonish. He wanted, what he wanted was that st Stone Cold Steve Austin personality out of the bully. And I don't believe I ever really delivered that product to him. So, the, um, so you did that. That's pretty much when he came up with like the must your uh, famous mustache was uh, right yeah. before uh, when you started with because you didn't have it before when you were wrestling for WWF. No, I had it off and on. I wore a mustache, but not not as outlandish as it, as it <laughs> is today, or or the way I had it before. Yeah, because you are. Uh, one of the aren't you the number one top mustache in the history of the WWE? Yeah, I, I did get that award. <laughs> well, it was, it was a very nice it, mustache. Well, you know, I just went up and where I seen Zoltan uh, here last week, and we went to a show up there in Pittsburgh at the Pittsburgh Wrestling Hall of Fame, and uh, a guy had drove down from Cleveland, and he had the WWE wrestling encyclopedias, and he had the latest one, and I'll be darned, they still they're still putting me in there and. Uh, you know, I, I, my contract was like two years, one year optional, but I was really only on TV six to eight months. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that the WWE still recognizes the bully character and, and, uh, needless to say, social media certainly, certainly keeps the, keeps us all us old timers alive. <laughs> well, you, uh, you, you stuck with me uh, over the years. Uh, I remember, uh, I was probably about 11 when you were in WWF and I never forgot it. You dumping the, the popcorn on the little girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was something. What, um, yeah, so, so when you're in uh AWA, uh, on ESPN and Georgia championship wrestling, um, who yeah. are some of the guys you got to work with there? Oh, Jerry Blackwell, Bruiser Brody, Abdullah the Butcher, Mr. Wrestling number two. Uh, oh, there was a host of guys. Joel Deaton, 
Joel, Joel Deaton was uh, one of my favorites to work with. Uh, you know, you get in the ring with Joel Deaton, and, and I, Joel was real big in Japan. And, man, he could fly all over that ring. And I was never a flyer. We were talking about that earlier. But, man, Joel Deaton would get in there. Man, I I was all over that ring with with him. <laughs> and then Jerry Blackwell and, and uh, Abdullah the Butcher, they were big like you. And and they used to just love to blow me up in the ring. And, and by God, I don't know how those guys do it, but they they would go 45 minutes and I'd be sucking wind. And <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be going right at it. And by God, you better roll. You better go with them or they're going to beat the dog crap out of you. Yeah, Jerry Blackwell was an amazing athlete. Uh, he's uh, I've watched a lot of his stuff, and because uh, I think we pr- have pretty similar body types, and uh, we're about gonna, the same height. I'm gonna tell you, Jerry Blackwell gave me my first legitimate push. Jerry Jerry taught me how to. He took the time, taught me how to interview. He he taught me how to work stiff uh, because those guys down south. The Bruiser Brodies, Abdullah the Butchers, Jerry Blackwell's Mr. Russell number two, uh, Joel Deaton, I mentioned him, all them guys. Those guys were noted for working stiff. And, and sometimes you work a little stiff with some guys, and they, 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 they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been there a few times. Uh, those guys are, those are scary guys. I think that's one of the biggest, uh, probably one of the biggest complaints I have about modern wrestling is there's just doesn't seem like there's as many like men like you and Abdul the butcher and bruiser Brody and all those guys, they were, I mean, you run into them someplace. You're, you're scared. They're just scary people. And, uh, I think a lot of, uh, modern wrestling doesn't have that. Again, it's all ring psychology though. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it's ring psychology. It's, it's what your character portrays and, and, you know, back then we took it serious. Not that they don't take it serious today. It's just that social media throughout the years has changed the face of professional wrestling. So I don't, I don't, I don't sit here and badmouth the product today. It's just a different world. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, definitely. Um, but good thing is we can, uh, I, I just, there's a lot of people that like the current stuff, but I'm more, I think I'm more attuned to the watching on the WWE network. All the old stuff, I still I still watch that all the time. All the old shows, I try to watch as much as I possibly can. Now that we have so much more open to us, uh, there's a lot of stuff I didn't even know about and just found out about, and it's just amazing to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, from there, you went into the World Wrestling Federation. How did that come about? Uh, the, well, the, the bully had appeared on ESPN and. Uh, you know, got the call from Vince. I was actually flying up to Vince's house to meet with Vince and Pat Patterson and the NWA called the same day. Well, the, the WWF was like home to me. That's where I got my start. You know what I mean? So, uh, I, I, I jumped at the contract when, when I got in and maybe I should have listened. Bill Eady was the executive producer for the ESPN show and Bill had placed me with bad news Brown and I, and I, I should have maybe just held off and let the bad news Brown and big bully abuse and tag team develop. Cause that would have, that, that could have made a huge impact, but I was young and stupid. And <laughs> you know, when the, when the WWF calls, you know, you, you, you almost, well, you want to take it, you know what I mean? And I did. Yeah. 
That, yeah, that uh, Bad News Brown and Big Bully Busick would have been one heck of a tag team. Yeah, we did several matches on ESPN, and 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 it, it, it was it was jiving good. And Bad News Brown, you know, he was he was a card carrying badass. Yeah, everything I've uh, seen of him is uh, it's not somebody that you wanted to mess around with. And if he didn't like you, he'd tell you. Yeah, so. absolutely. So yeah, uh, you got absolutely. the call from got the call from Vince. Um, so did you know um, Vince's father? I, I Now, back then when it was the WWWF, they had what was called territories. And, and uh, you know, each each guy had a territory. So I, I, I had met him when I went up to do TV, but I, I didn't know him, like say, knowing for knowing. I just knew that he ran the New York office. You know what I mean? Okay. So they just, uh, like, he, he wouldn't necessarily come down to, like, the Pittsburgh shows? Right. Right. Okay. Um, so it was all, all Grillo Monsoon and Bruno and Lou Albano and and those guys. I bet those were some uh, fun guys to talk to. Oh, I loved them. They were fantastic. Grillo Monsoon just seemed like a wonderful human being, just all yeah, around. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he absolutely was. So, uh, so you get the call from Vince, and you you go to his house um, and meet him, and um, what's like your first conversation with? Mr. McMahon. Oh, well, I mean, it was good. I mean, needless to say, we sat there and we talked a little bit and, and, and Pat Patterson didn't want to sign me for some reason. Pat Patterson wasn't a big fan of the, the bully character, but Vince says, no, no, we're going to go ahead and give him a contract. And, you know, they gave me a contract and I actually went back and, and got my physical and I didn't pass my first physical. Uh, they found an a, a irregular heartbeat and I had to go back and get a, EKG and and back then they weren't really up on what was called AFib and uh, when I went and got the EKG it was okay but you know when I started wrestling I'd go into the ring you know I'll never, never forget having a match with the Steamboat and I wasn't in there 30 seconds and I was so blowed up I couldn't breathe and I I didn't didn't know what was the matter and that was happening in a lot of matches and we called it the agents. Uh, you know, they were noticing. They said, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. Is it, you know is it? I kept dismissing it as stage anxiety or ring anxiety. You know what I mean? But here, here what it was, was uh, it was uh, AFib. And when I, when my contract was up, I actually, my heart got locked into chronic AFib, which means it, it stayed completely out of beat. And I actually had a sudden death cardiac arrest on the treadmill uh, back in 2004. Oh, so man. I actually died and yeah, I actually died and was dead for about four to five minutes, and they wound up bringing me back. Oh, wow. Well, that's I'm very happy they did. <laughs> I am, too. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they uh, they paired you with uh, Harvey Whippleman. Yeah, they did. And uh, what, what kind of a guy was he like? Oh, uh, you know, I, I didn't know him real well. Uh, you know, we did our thing and uh, did what we were supposed to do and, and went on from there. He wound up having a pretty good career with him even after I left. Uh, well, one thing for sure, the the bully kicked Harvey Whippleman's career off. Uh, nobody can deny that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he was, because uh, he was pretty much, uh, I always thought of you guys as, um, who are those two dogs in the cartoons? Like, the little tiny yeah. yippee dog and the, the big giant dog? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of what you reminded me of there. I'm not saying you were a dog or anything. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you did such acts as uh, popping kids' balloons with your cigar, uh, harassing Mike McGurk, and um, yeah. 
then uh, of course the famous uh, popcorn where you dump the uh, popcorn over the little girl. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still looking for that. I'm hoping a wrestling fan will put that out there. I've seen it one time and I can't find it again. I'd like to see that again somewhere out there. Yeah, I was looking for that actually today and I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, yeah, somebody must have taken it down. It's got to be someplace. Um, the uh, so uh, of course. Uh, you just didn't go around and um, dumping popcorn on uh, just regular children. Um, didn't, yeah. didn't you t- uh, tell me that the uh, that little girl was somebody that uh, our fans might want to know? Yeah, that was Bobby DeBrain Heenan's daughter. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty neat little trivia there. Yeah, uh, it is, yeah. Did she uh, get a kick Brain, out of that? Bobby the Brain and, and uh, Robbie Piper, they really liked the bully character. They, they got it over pretty good. It's, even if you listen to their when they was doing the uh, commentating when when the bully was in the ring, they they really got the bully over. I mean, you know, the comment, a lot of people don't realize the commentators can make or break a character. Yeah, the uh, and during that time, I think that's arguably some of the greatest commentary you could ever find anywhere with yeah. uh, guys like Bobby Gorilla, Roddy Piper. Um, I mean, Roddy Piper was great on the on the uh, commentary. And, uh, of course, oh, yeah. I, my yeah, favorite sure. combination is Bobby and Gorilla. I don't think you can beat oh, that with they, anybody. Fact, yeah, that, that, they could have did a whole show by themselves. <laughs> yeah, he, they were they were very entertaining listening to them. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, the so uh, who are uh, some of the more memorable matches you had in uh, WWF? Well, I, I liked the match a lot with Bret Hart. That was a good match. Uh, I, I worked with the Bulldog a lot. Uh, Snooker was always a favorite. Uh, you know, all those matches in the WWE were all memorable to me uh, because of the camaraderie with the boys. Uh, I got no complaints about working with anybody. It was, it was all good. I consider them all to be memorable. When you start talking about climbing in the ring with Greg the Hammer Valentine, Snooker, and the British Bulldog, and Bret Hart, yeah, you know, that's that's all good stuff right there. <laughs> Texas Tornado. Yeah, I've uh, I've had the opportunity to work uh, like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Hillbilly Jim, and Dusty Rhodes, and it was some of my. I mean, I never never believed in a million years that I'd be in the same ring as Dusty Rhodes. So uh, yeah, that, I worked I, I worked in Florida for Dusty. I enjoyed working with him for him. So you're uh, so what. Um, you got to uh, work with uh, Sid Vicious, too, when he was Sid Justice when he first came in? Yeah, Sid and I were actually training partners, me, Sid, and the Iron Sheik. And we had some fantastic workouts for months and months. Uh, our training together was was second to none. In fact, we actually were training down at Lexington Things Gym in, in Atlanta. It was on Buford Highway called the main event. And, and uh yeah, oh man, we had some great workouts. <laughs> well, those guys uh, and you were all definitely in tip-top shape there. Just looked like they yeah, were chiseled out more, of rock. I, I was more of a strength athlete because of the powerlifting, uh, and Sid was more a bodybuilder. And the Iron Sheik, a lot of people don't realize the Iron Sheik is just, was just an all-around athlete. I mean, he you know he would always do the workouts with us. He'd hang, uh, but he, you know, Sheik wrestled and. You know, I only wrestled in high school and college, but Sheik had an Olympic wrestling background. And, uh, you know, he, he he was another guy that was for real, or as we say, a shooter. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he was uh he was like a bodyguard for an uh for somebody Shaw over Varane. in Iraq, wasn't he? He was the bodyguard to the Shah of Iran. Yeah. You don't mess around probably there. No, no, you don't. <laughs> Them guys are for real. What was the atmosphere of the locker room like back in that time in WWF? Uh, well, I don't know that it was much different than any other locker room. Uh, uh, at that caliber, like I'll go into a lot of independent shows, and, and I, I, I won't be as open as I was back in end days because of the caliber, because I don't know who's in the locker room. So if I'm going to if I'm going to interact with any of the, the boys or the wrestlers, it's going to be on a personal basis or a close basis. Because I, I won't I won't mess around. I, I I don't really ever remember and I see this a lot in the locker rooms and I, I swore I wasn't gonna be critical, but even my last match, I had my last match when I was fifty nine years old and uh it was against uh a wrestler by the name of Joseph Von Schmidt and you know, walked in, sat down and uh went over, shook his hand, said good to see you and blah blah blah. Never discussed the match at all never discussed the match, but I, I go in the locker rooms. I see, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to go here. We're going to pop, 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 pop. Gee, many Christmas. And then me and Von Schmidt, we, we had about a 40 minute match. We had to, had the house going crazy. Never <laughs> called one spot, never called one spot before the, before the match began. Well, that's definitely the uh, true art form there that, uh, and it's just more, I think it looks more natural too. Um, well, that's the that's the difference today between an independent show and what you're seeing with the WWE product. It's two. It's that's what I said earlier in this interview. It's two different things altogether. Yeah, I know. I was, uh, but I I was real honored when um, I got to meet you up in uh, Marion, Ohio, and uh, you wanted to take a picture with me, and uh, sure. that was a that was a great honor for me because you're somebody that I watched as a as a child, and um, hey, well. We're all just one of the boys. Jerry Blackwell <laughs> told me that year ago, years ago. Remember, it's just one of the boys. <laughs> well, it's hard to it's hard to see like uh, a lot of a lot of guys like you as uh, just one of the boys because you were so uh, you were almost like a mythical status to people like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that's very kind of you to say, but uh, I'm no different than anybody else. <laughs> so, um, so what led to your uh, WWF departure? Well, the contract was up and, and, uh, uh, you know, I had kids growing up and, and I didn't, I, I didn't really, I should have listened more to what, uh, again, independent versus the WWE, you know, the, their creative con- control and, and what, what independent shows do. You don't, you know, you don't have that much creative control when you go to New York. And, uh, you know, I was just a little pig headed. I didn't like the way things going, were going and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And contract was up and, um, uh, I just, uh, that was it. Now, uh, finished, I, up, uh, finished up and left. I noticed that, um, you didn't have uh, a music in a, a lot of time when a lot of people did. What, uh, was that just, um, trying to sell you over that, as an older character, like an old time character? That, yeah, that, that was by design. You know, the, that, that was absolutely by design. Vince wanted the bully to be a straightforward ass kicker. Because uh, I know Bad News Brown was also like that when he was in WWF. He didn't have yeah. he didn't have theme music. What would uh what would bully music sound like? Oh heck, who knows? Maybe <laughs> the old Sam the Sham, 
Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs woolly bully routine. Huh? Well, I kind of <laughs> like that. So uh, after. Uh, after WWF, what uh, where did your career lead you to? Uh, I wound up, uh, well, actually, Bill Eady and I had a business. We were doing high-risk security. And then my dad had a stroke, and I moved back home here to Pittsburgh. And uh, I wound up in the cons- casino industry as a senior investigator and uh, did that for t- up to 2008. And then I ventured off into safety, and I did some MMA promotions and things of this nature. So, uh so you've always been uh, kind of a law enforcement type guy. Well, yeah, that's what my whole education is basically. Is that the gas and oil started getting pretty big in this area, so I wound up because I taught at the police academies. I wound up in in safety and doing a lot of safety classes and stuff like that. Anything ha- happened to you uh, interesting during your gaming casino days? Oh, there's ton of things in the in the in the casino days the casino industry is a lot of fun yeah there's i i can go out story after story <laughs> thousands of dollars all kind of stuff did you so did you ever have to kick anybody out huh. a, a million and one times <laughs> how many did uh did they realize they were being kicked out by big bully music a few times they did a few <laughs> times they did it's kind of amazing i'll still get recognized every once in a while That'd be uh, in fact, I, they, I was I was I was just in a grocery store and one of the employees come up here. Uh, I was in Walmart grocery store. And, Can we call somebody over to say hi? We can take a picture. Yes, sure. Yeah, so, <laughs> well, you, know, you gotta you know make an old guy make an old guy feel good. You know what I mean? Well, hey, you definitely left an impression. Yeah. Again, that's very kind of you to say. Um. So uh, MMA fights. Uh, what um? Do you see that as like the the next big thing was at the time. Well, uh, yeah, I was, I was not, I do high school wrestling refereeing and, and all the way down to youth wrestling. And, uh, I, I was affiliated with a lot of the original UFC guys, the Mark Coleman's Brandon Hinkles, Wes Sims. And, uh, and then today, uh, my youngest boy, my oldest boy is a state trooper. Uh, and, and we're from a wrestling family. And then my youngest boy, Actually, he's got his first pro fight, uh, and I, you'll be the first to get this announcement. Oh, just signed his first first pro fight uh, for Bellator, April twenty first, up in uh, Mohegan Sun, up in Connecticut. Oh wow! Congratulations. So you, so you got the first scoop on it, JP. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thank you. And what what's uh, what's his name? Bronco Busick. Well, that definitely sounds like a guy you don't want to mess with. <laughs> yeah, he's he's. He's pretty decent. Well, I tell you, you mentioned uh, Wes Sims. He's a big, tall man. He, uh, when he walks in the room, he's got a heck of a presence. Oh yeah, yeah. He ain't short, is he? <laughs> no, I've always wanted to see him in a wrestling ring. I think my man Wes. Love my man Wes. <laughs> he's uh, he's been very nice every time I, every time I've ever seen him. But um, I don't know. Just some, you and I were buds. Uh, I haven't I haven't seen him for a while, but um, I will next time I see him. I definitely will. Uh, <laughs> good, good. He, uh, it's guys like that when, um, cause he's just so tall. It's almost, it almost seems impossible. There's people that tall. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wes is a tall fellow. Sure. I've, uh, cause when I met him and then I've, uh, I've met Kevin Nash, it was just like, how do you get that tall? That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. So, um, you had your, uh, last match. Uh, when did you have your last match? Uh, let's see. It was. 
let's see, I was diagnosed two years ago with the, with the cancer. So it was, uh, 20, 20, huh, I'm trying to think. Well, it was four years ago. Yeah. Four, not quite four years ago. Yeah. Okay. And, um, now, now you're just doing some managing and stuff. And, uh, yeah, go up there and marry him and, and give old Scott Spears the hard time. <laughs> he needs it. He needs the hard time. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I might just slap the taste right out of his mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't blame you there. There's been a few times I wanted to, too. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, now the cancer, um, you're cancer free right now, aren't you? At this point I am. Well, congratulations. And, uh, I was very sorry to hear well, about that you. when it happened. And, uh, but I'm well, glad it's know, all working out. If you find anybody, whether they're listening to your podcast or out in personal life, if they don't believe in miracles, you, you tell them, go talk to big bully Busick because <laughs> I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. You're, uh, nothing, not even the big C can take the big bully down. Well, the big C almost, let's put it this way. I may have won the war, but I lost the fight. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the only thing that matters is you're still here and you're still talking to me. Well, yeah, and, and you know, by the grace of God, I have quality of life. I'm back in the gym, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm because it was off esophageal cancer. I'm lucky that I don't have a feeding tube stuck in me, and yeah. I'm still able to eat. So, I'm a, I'm a very fortunate man. Well, you're definitely a role model and uh, somebody to look up to, and. Um... Definitely somebody that if you are in a locker room, um, they should be just all huddled around you listening to you for any uh, niblets of advice you can give to them because uh, well, you've been a lot of places. That's, that's very kind words, and I appreciate it. <laughs> well, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap this up for Take 4 Wrestling. This has been uh, Big Bully Busick, and uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, talk to you, and thank you for coming on the show. Oh, absolutely my pleasure, and God bless all your folks out there. Well, thank you. God bless you, too. All right, buddy. All the best. Hey, great job with that, JT. I, I really enjoyed that. We need more We need more of those. Well, thank you very much. I, I It was a real honor to talk to him. He's a heck of a nice guy, and um, I would definitely like to do more interviews like that, and I think I might. That's awesome. Can't wait to hear I it. I think I got the interview bug. Uh, you did a really good job, so um, I would listen to a podcast of just that. <laughs> well we gotta have you on there too maybe so hey <laughs> uh <laughs> let's see here so um to better accommodate uh our schedules mostly my schedule i think we're going to start posting this now on the weekend instead of during the week which is good anyway since most people tend to download podcasts for, uh to listen during the week uh, starting like monday so I, I i think that will accommodate most people um, and considering we're not usually talking about uh, a lot of current news anyway, which we're going to talk about some, but it's not going to be um, a must-to-have-to thing. So I think uh, going forward, uh, expect to see the show post on Sundays. We are returning for uh, uh, weekly uh, podcasts now that um, going forward, if we miss, um, it, it'll probably be my fault. But hopefully um, – <laughs> Uh, we haven't confirmed yet, but hopefully starting next week or the week after, we're going to have a third voice on the show. Uh, not going to say who yet, uh, but we think that you will enjoy it. And if if it falls through, just pretend that you never heard this. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. It's not diecast. It is not diecast. I haven't gotten to talk to you about that. Did you see what he did? What did he do? He hit me in the, he hit me in the back with a table and then took off running right out of a shoe. 
Uh, yeah, we haven't talked about that. Uh, so I will post that with the uh, show. I'll embed that in the show link. I just have to tell you, if uh, I, I felt a little bit of mercy on him, especially when he was down on his knees begging me not to beat him up. But uh, as soon as I turned my back, he hit me. If he's uh, man enough to hit me in the back, he's man enough to get big old butt whooping. Absolutely. So, so uh, you watch your back, Diecast. I might see you in Washington, D.C. Ooh, I might be there, too. Uh, so with that being said, we are doubling up on our content, our, uh, social media presence and everything. So, uh, we are here for the long haul. We apologize for the protracted, uh, absence, but, um, uh, you know, we were, we were working on some stuff. We were planning our, uh, convention schedule for the year, but, uh, we're back. We've learned a couple new holds and we're here, uh, for the perpetuity. So, Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Take4Wrestling and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Take4Wrestling. And uh, you can stay up to date with us there. You can find me personally on Twitter at BKilby. That's B-K-I-L-B-Y. And JT, you're on Twitter too, right? That's right. Um, That's at JT underscore H-O-G-G. And I'm also on uh, Facebook. That's where I'm most active at. It's uh, TF Radio slash H-O-G-G dot net. That was wrong. Yeah, that was wrong. It's close enough. TF Radio dot net <laughs> slash H-O-G-G. Uh, it will take you to uh, King J.T. Hogg's uh, Facebook uh, page. If you want to go directly to Facebook, if you don't trust our redirect domain, uh, that's TF, uh, pardon me, that's Facebook.com slash Hillbilly JT Hog. That's one word, Hillbilly JT Hog. You can like him there. I got a big defense of my crown coming up on April 22nd, the Lancaster Fairgrounds. How do, pe- how do people uh, get tickets? You can get tickets at PWI or PWAonline.com. Hey, JT, I just checked, and actually, that's PWAohio.com, PWAohio.com. So, uh, and uh, there's also, uh, if you come to the live shows, you'll be able to get our uh, tickets for the Kevin Nash show that we have coming up, and that is going to be, shoot. When is that? Uh, July 8th. July 8th. Uh, July 8th will be the big uh, Kevin Nash show, and uh, you'll be able to get pictures with kevin nash and uh get some autographs for him those are forty dollars and with the forty dollars you also get into the actual show for free awesome. i was i so. was worried that that was going to be after we or before we posted this show I'm like, I'm like <laughs> oh no but yeah that'll be uh that'll that'll be uh a few months from now so that, that'll be fun i'm hoping somebody will bring a uh poster uh, or a picture of him uh dressed in the striped shirt from the punisher oh that'd be great have him sign that. That'd be pretty funny. Maybe I'll do you that. You should do that. He would probably hate you. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to mess with him. He's a he big is guy. a big guy. Uh, th- I guess that's it for this week. So uh, I'm posting this now. It'll be this will be up on Saturday or pardon me, Sunday the 16th. Uh, so we'll be back uh, next week, the 23rd, and just keep looking for it at tfradio.net and at tfradio.net slash take four. Uh, we'll be posting that. Actually, subscribe to us on iTunes if you're not already. I forgot about that. Um, take for wrestling on iTunes. Subscribe to us. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, okay, JT. I'll. I guess we'll be back next week. Uh, any any parting thoughts for the for the listeners? 
I uh, just uh, want to thank everybody that came up to me and Joe Lana and uh, talked about the take Four wrestling show. Um, there's a few different people that I had some really good conversations with and uh, just keep listening. Ditto. We'll see you later. Have a good one. Boo.